0: Hello and welcome to ConnectPoint's podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. If you haven't learned by now, God is very connected to money. You can't buy them off. You can't buy a miracle. You can't buy your way into heaven. You can't give enough to be, you know, just, uh, you can't buy the things of God. But that doesn't mean that God is not very connected to money. Scripture would tell us that he is, has a lot to say about it, and we've been looking at that now uh, for the last couple weeks, and I want to thank Pastor Brahm and brother brothers for their great uh, work that they've, they've done the first two weeks. Amen. And so tonight we're going to talk about sacrificial giving. Everybody say sacrificial. Everybody's favorite word, sacrifice, right? <laughs> Amen. It is a great, it is a great word. It is a great word. And our, if there's anything that everybody understands about Jesus, it's that he sacrificed, right? And if we're going to be Christians, then there's going to be an element of sacrifice in our lives. And that sacrifice is going to spread uh, throughout our entire lives, in every area. Not, it, it's no way in the world is it just relegated to giving, But we are in a giving series, and so we're looking at that aspect of it tonight. But if you are walking with God, if you're trying to live your life for Christ, then you know what it means uh, to sacrifice. And uh, that's not a surprise to anyone. It was Christ himself who said that if you would be my disciple, you have to take up what? Take up your cross and follow me. And so we see that. In 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter, the Apostle Paul writing to the church of Corinth, and I think they may have this in the NIV version. If not, I'll read it in the NIV version. He says this, but since you excel in everything, that's a good way to start, isn't it? Isn't that, wouldn't you, anybody here like that to be said of you? Yeah. Somebody walks up in your life and say, hey, you know what, since you excel in everything, And then Paul says, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love that we have kindled in you. So he even gives examples of the things that they excel in. He says, since you excel in everything, and here's some some things that you excel in, he says, see that you also, somebody say also, see that you also excel in the grace of. Of giving, I've always really loved that phrase because it connects to powerful things: grace and giving. Grace and giving—it's a powerful reminder that there is absolutely nothing that I can give that has not been made available to me by the grace of God. Amen. Amen. No matter who, what it is—time, energy, finances—it doesn't matter. My abilities. So sacrificial, meaning relating to or involving sacrifice. I think we understand that. Sacrifice, an act of offering something precious to deity. Offering something precious to God. Giving, as I've already mentioned, is in no way at all only related to money. We give of our time, of our energy, of our passions, we are giving any time, somebody say any time. We are giving any time we offer up ourselves to the Lord. We're giving. And so I, I need us to understand that so that we don't, the confusion that some people have or the, just the flat out um, resistance that sometimes people show is really just because they narrow this thing down way too much and they just, they just don't look at the big picture. And so there is definitely a lot of different ways that we can sacrificially give, but there is also a role for money to play uh, in that. There is a role that money plays in every church system, in every structure, whether it's physical expansion, whether it's ministries, ministry expansions, uh, whatever it is, people that you need to run certain things, These are all, all this stuff takes money, right? It all takes money. You say, well, we're just gonna trust in the Lord to do what? To give us money. So it takes money, doesn't it? Now, just real fast, just in case somebody wasn't here the first two weeks, before I can actually even speak on sacrificial giving, it has to be made clear that no one ever participates in sacrificial giving if they do not honor God first and foremost in their tithe and in their offering. It's an impossibility to honor God in sacrificial giving if we don't first honor God in tithes and offerings. We cannot do that. You can give it and and it can hurt, but it's not honoring God. You could give to a bunch of different things, say, I'm not gonna pay tithes and offerings, but I'll give to these other things, and you may even get to the point where it hurts, but it's not honoring God. You have to begin with tithe, which is a tenth, Genesis 28, 22, 10%, and it's not just 10%, it's the first 10% of our increase. We learned about that on the first night, called the first fruit, Second Chronicles 31 and five, and it is undesignated. It is undesignated. We do not designate where our tithing goes. Offerings are not given a percentage in scripture, but they are tied very closely to the blessings of God in our life, meaning that if more money comes into my life, then I should be considerate of that, and there should be more offering going out of my life, because we are vessels, right? Everybody say, I'm a vessel amen I'm a vessel and so we should be doing that we should be very aware of Malachi 3 8 and 9 will a man rob God question mark it's a question will you rob God yet ye have robbed me says the Lord period you have robbed me it's a declaration statement but you say wherein have we robbed thee now we've got questions going back and forth here wherein have we robbed thee and God's reply is in tithes And offerings. And it's not just that, though. God says, I have to let you know something. Because of that, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Amen. Cursed with a curse, because you have robbed me, even this whole nation. We find that he speaks of the devourer that is going to come into our lives. It's not necessarily that God curses our finances, it's that God no longer holds the devourer back. And so those things that come and can kill and steal and destroy begin to be active in our lives. And so if our finances, if my finances are cursed, then I'm never going to step into the realm of sacrificial giving. It's an impossible thing to do. And we do not sacrifice, when we give of our tithe and our offering. That is not sacrificial. We're giving it back to God, right? We're giving it back to God, and he's already set up a plan for that to work and established a plan by which, by doing that, we are tremendously blessed. And so that is not a sacrifice to do that. He honors our obedience as he blesses it. Malachi 3 even says that God will open the windows of heaven and pour out a massive blessing upon those who participate in those things of tithes and offerings. How many are thankful for a God that tells us what we need to do and then blesses us just because we're obedient? Amen, amen. But this is what I need somebody to hear for tonight's lesson. Somebody who is already giving of tithes and offerings and you already have seen some of the blessings of God in your life. And you know I'm not a prosperity doctrine preacher. But the blessings can get bigger. The blessings that God pours out in your life, what you've seen so far, God can actually do more than that. In fact, there's absolutely no limit to what God can do. Amen? We need to understand that. That is not, that is not anti-biblical. That is not a, a, a bad approach. We're not saying that that's why we're living our lives, so that we could just get rich. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying the blessings, whatever those are, which a lot of times are not money at all, Can I get an amen? Amen. The blessings can get bigger. You have not exhausted the ability of God, amen. We've not reached his limits. Now you may have put a limit on yourself. And by putting a limit on yourself, you may have put a limit on God. I fear that many people inadvertently limit God because they limit themselves in what they're willing to give or how much they're willing to sacrificially give, and they inadvertently, not thinking, also are limiting what God then will return when he starts talking about give and it shall be given unto you. I believe that if we will obey his plan, he will show us his power, and sometimes that involves what he can do with money. Amen. Amen. So giving is a biblical principle that has faithful rewards. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7. And I appreciate the note takers tonight because, uh, you know, sometimes it's good to not only hear this stuff once a year. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 two, 7. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he has purposed in his heart, as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Now, I know many of you know that verse, but let me just say it like this. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7 is just as true and just as sure and just as certain as Acts two thirty eight. Amen? Amen. It's, it's just as much truth. It's it just as much forever settled in heaven as Acts 2.38 is. And that's one of the things we need to understand. So what are we talking about when we talk about sacrificial giving? If we're not talking about tithes and offerings, what are we talking about? We're talking about things like our faith promise, monthly pledges to faith promise, We're talking about things like when we take up special offerings uh, for I Am Global campaign, or we just came through with an I Am Global and a Next Town initiative campaign. And how many are thankful for $20,000 that God blessed us with to be able to do that? Amen. Some of you have been around long enough to know that we had some capital campaigns to get the building we're sitting in right now. That was sacrificial Giving above tithes and offerings people pledged and gave money that we might be able to buy a property in the future and guess what there'll be more of those right there'll be more of those because we haven't just decided to stay at this level have we did we did I miss a meeting (laughs) did you have a meeting without me no we're gonna keep moving forward right and so there'll be more of those things How about when we raised money for that Church in a Day project? I don't even remember what that was anymore. Was that $10,000? $10,300 we gave to that Church in a Day project for Pastor Brooks. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You may remember we had a little video of that when we presented them with that check and we did that little video. What that did for them was incredible and they're and they're they're having revival that church is doing great up there and so we're very excited about that we just this past sunday saw a cool little video from reverend mark brown we just literally sent money towards the next town initiative amen Amen. we just sent that money in and he's telling us about how god just gave him a church building for completely free Amen? amen does god honor sacrificial giving amen amen And here's the thing about it is if you participate in these things, it doesn't matter the amount to which you participate. If you just simply participate in them, when these miraculous things happen, you get to be a part of that celebration. You get to be a part of saying that I was a vessel that God used to bring that to pass. And that is a wonderful feeling. It's a wonderful feeling to have. And so we, we understand that these are some of the things. But it's not just those things. It's also all of the other, uh, for instance, if you bought a basket last Sunday, that's sacrificial giving. That's not your tithe. That's not your offerings. And I hope I didn't just, I hope somebody just wasn't like, well, seriously? I used my tithe money to buy that. <laughs> so hopefully we're not a, a week late here on this lesson. But... That's not tithes and that's not offerings. That's sacrificial giving. And many people came ready to give sacrificially. Now, you may have been sitting here last Sunday, and you may have been looking around wondering, how in the world do these people have any money to buy these baskets? Especially, how do they have money to buy a basket that's worth $10 for $70? Right? Why, what is that? That doesn't even make logical sense. But it doesn't, it, we're, we're, we're dealing with God money. Right? Did you ever like playing like Monopoly as a kid because you're just playing with Monopoly money? Right? $10,000, there you go. It's not a problem at all. I got stacks of it over here. But that was fake. We're talking about real money but it's money that God brings into your life simply because you are obedient to the tithes and offerings part. Amen. And that's what I'm talking about is being able to participate in things. When the youth do fundraisers and when the, when the altar recovery does things or whatever, carrying hands, whatever ministry is doing some sort of fundraiser and we're helping support them, that is sacrificial giving. Okay, that is sacrificial giving. And there's other things, too, that, we can, we, that God may specifically just move upon you to do. And, and that would be sacrificial giving beyond the tithes and offering. And so we find sacrificial giving in Exodus 35. And this is important that we understand what's happening here. This is the building of God's tabernacle. It's the building of it, not the maintaining of it. okay. So this is kind of two different things here. It's it's building it at the beginning. It's the initiative that God puts them uh, in. So the the tithes used for the ministry may also go towards other things if it's necessary. Offerings that come in uh, may go towards different things as they come in. But sacrificial giving usually has a more specific need that is trying to be met. Okay. Now, I'm using the word usually here because I hate limiting God. I don't want to limit God. But usually, it can be a a more specific thing. What I mean by limiting God, if God God tells you next week to write a check to the church for $5,000 and say, I just want to give this money sacrificially, but the church can use it for whatever they want, then you go ahead and say yes to the Lord, okay? All right. So you can give sacrificially. It's above your tithes. It's above your offerings. But most of the time, sacrificial giving has a more specific need, as some of the things I have already mentioned, uh, that it goes towards. And here we have a specific need. This is God talking to the people of Israel, and he's talking to them about building this this, uh, tabernacle, right? Amen. It's Exodus 35. And Moses spake, this is verses 4 and 5 unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, this is the thing which the Lord, somebody say the Lord Lord, commanded, saying, take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord, whosoever is of a, and this is a key word, this is how it lets us know that this is not talking about tithes and offerings by which we can rob God. Because if it was talking about something by which we could rob God, he would not use the word willingly. He wouldn't use that word there. But because he does, we, let, we know that this is beyond the tithe and the offering. Of a willing heart, let him bring it, an offering of the Lord. So this is a sacrificial offering. It was to facilitate the raw materials that were needed to build a tabernacle. It was to include the workmanship, the craftsmanship that was going to be necessitated by the building of this facility. 35 and 21 of Exodus, and they came, everyone, here it is, whose heart stirred him up, and everyone whom his spirit made willing. So once again, this is not, they came everyone who was obedient to God's command of tithes and offerings. This is above and beyond. And they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation and for all his service and for the holy garments. So everything that they were gonna need for this tabernacle was going to come from the offerings that the people brought. 36, four through seven. And all the wise men that wrought all the work of the sanctuary came every man from his work which they made. And they spake unto Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded to make. And Moses gave commandment And they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing. For the stuff they had was sufficient for all the work to make it and too much. And too much. I love it. I love it. I love it. I never get tired of talking about that. God positioned his people to have an opportunity to sacrificially give above their regular tithe and offering. And when they responded in the right way and with the right heart and with a desire to sacrificially give, God blessed it so much that then they had to say, we got more than enough. In fact, we got too much to do the thing that God wants us to do. I believe, I believe that this is the natural progression of sacrificial giving, that when we give sacrificially, we are giving above and beyond what God has asked, that God in turn blesses above and beyond what we actually need. Everybody hear you, Pastor? I believe this is the progression of giving that when I give above and beyond what is asked of me, God blesses me above and beyond what I need. Amen. Now, he's promised, he's promised to supply all my need. But he never said that's all he would do. Am I right? He never said, I'm just going to give you to the exact penny to meet your very specific need. He said, "I will meet all of your needs," but he never said that's all he was going to do. God has no problem going beyond that. Amen. He has no problem going beyond that. Amen. Amen. Luke six and thirty-eight: "Given it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom? For with the same measure that ye meet withal, it shall be measured to you." again. Now, this scripture you probably you may have heard it the first night, you may have heard it the second Wednesday because this is a principle of giving scripture. So there are principles in the word of God. Their principles means that they apply all over the place and they can apply in a lot of different ways. So when we're specifically talking about giving financially, he's letting us know that this, this, can, this principle of giving can apply to the principle of giving financially. And if you'll remember last year, I showed you this little example. Zachary, you have a coat on, so stand up. Turn around. So you're gonna really have to use your imagination, but you may, you may remember this. So they, they wore like the their, their garment of the day was robe-esque, right, it was kind of like a robe type thing, and it would cross, try to pull this all the way, there you go, all right. So you imagine they got their robe, they got their little, their little belt thing, they had their ways of doing all of that. What the scripture means, men shall give into your bosom, is that the way their robes overlapped, they created like a pocket. And that pocket was one of the areas where they would store things that were valuable to them. Keep it close to the chest, right? So it's probably where they kept their money. So what it means, men shall give into your bosom, is it means that that they're gonna give and they're gonna put it in this pocket where valuable things were kept. That's what it means. Thank you. Didn't he do an excellent job? This is so good. That Bible school is paying off, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> when you are a giver, what he's basically saying there is, when you are, when you are a, a person who sacrificially gives out of that pocket, God will put it right back into your pocket. Now, there's a whole nother thing, and I'm not gonna go into it real deep here, but there's a a whole nother lesson to be learned where he says men shall give into you. He actually doesn't say I will. Now, we know that God would have to be involved in it, God would have to direct it, but that is an interesting thing to me because that means the money can come from anywhere. Right? The money can come from anywhere and it can come in any fashion, any form. So it could be, uh, for instance, I don't know which I Am Global thing it was. I think it might have been two years ago, maybe three years ago. We did, our, we did an I Am Global service, and we were trying to raise $20,000 for I Am Global. And we, we, we made a 10-minute presentation about it at our All Nations Sunday. And a guest who was there for the first time and has, to my knowledge, has never been back was moved to put $5,000 in the offering plate towards I Am Global in that moment. Men shall give into your bosom. That's what it means. Okay? It may be someone else in the church may bless you. It may be someone else in the church gives money, and, and that happens a lot around here, and I, and I thank you very much for that. But we may be the, bless, the body blessing the body, as we call it. Or it may be Someone we've never met in our lives, someone we've never heard of, may give, and sometimes that happens, where money just comes to our church in that form or fashion. That's what the Bible is talking about. So we are, we are, we are vessels. Everybody say we are vessels. We are vessels. Amen. And you know, I've talked to you before about this whole idea of with it running over, sh- uh, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And we've talked about that. What does that mean? And the idea that we would rather be a funnel—I'd rather be a funnel than have stuff just spilling all off and fall into the earth, right? Just visually is how is how I'm thinking there. Uh, but there's also another way to view the running over portion, and i, I think I, I illustrated this last year. I'm going to try to just another way of illustrating it this year, uh, just a visual thing uh, of what 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 this could look like when God is saying that it's good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Now I, I actually last year went through exactly what that means as far as the measurements that they used in the um, marketplace and there was different types of measurements and pressed down and shaken together and all that. It all meant different things. But this idea of running over, I want us to visualize that for a second so we're gonna, we're gonna do it here, okay? So this is us, everybody say that's me. This is us, this is us. Now, how many remember, first of all, well, we'll say, let's just get it clear here, this is us, this is God, God's provision, and the big bowl is the the ability to give sacrificially. It's sacrificial giving. Now, first of all, How many remember every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow of turning, no variableness, right? So every good thing that comes into your life or mine comes from God. And we know about money that money by itself, money in itself is not good or evil, right? We know that the love of money taken out of context, the love of money made into an idol is the root of all evil. But money itself is not evil. But that also means then that money connected to God and used in a godly way is a good thing. It becomes a good thing because it becomes a God thing. And so we all understand that. So everything that comes into our life that is good and of God, the good things come from God. And that everything belongs to him, right? It all belongs to him. So God gives us the ability to even do the first part. God doesn't look down at us and say, you you don't have a penny to your name, you don't have have a, a, a house, a car, you don't have anything, you're living in the wilderness without anything, and then say, but I need some tithes and offerings from you. Right? Now the reality of it is, if you want to really go down that rabbit hole, the reality of it is, is whatever you're eating to stay alive in the wilderness, you would have to tithe some of that to him. But I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. That would still be a way to tithe. There's always a way to do it, folks, I'm telling you. Amen? We, we, we operate in a world of dollars and cents today, but that's not how they operated even in the Old Testament. That's why we hear about the first fruits of the grain and the first fruits of, of the of, and they're bringing these their harvest the first fruits of their harvest because that was their monetary system that was how they worked and so this is how we work today so we understand that there's always a way so that means that God is the one that when we des- if we decide to come into obedience with God and give our first fruits our tithe our ten percent. That only way we're actually able to do that is because God is the one who gave us the ability to do that, right? So we give our tithe, but we also are like, I don't want to rob God. I don't want to be the devourer, or loosen my finances. I don't want to deal with any curse. I want it to be blessed. I want the windows of heaven to be open over me. So I'm not going to do any of that. So I gave my tithe, but I'm also going to consider what I can do in offerings. I'm going to consider my increase, and I'm going to designate, as you probably heard last week, a certain amount for offerings and if my increase goes up, then my offerings will go up, right? But I'm gonna designate an amount, I'm gonna give it on a faithful and regular basis. And because God is so good, we can do that, right? Right? But then we have that scripture where God says, I shall supply all your need. And we all have needs, right? Anybody have a car payment? Anybody have a mortgage? Anybody ever have a doctor bill? School supplies, you got to go to the grocery store, right? God said, I shall supply all your needs. And so, you know, we got the tithes and the offering thing, right? And God's like, you're doing everything I'm asking you to do. And so there you go. There you got enough for your car. You got enough for your house. You got enough for your uh, food. You got enough for your college whatever. You got enough for this. You got enough for that because you've been honoring me. And God just continues to do it until he supplies all our need. Right? He supplies all our need. But God says, I want to do more than that. He says, I don't want to just give you enough so that you can give back to me and your tithes and offerings. And I don't want to just honor you by giving your tithes and offerings by supplying all your needs but God says I want to open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you cannot contain that will overflow out of you and when it overflows out of you that gives us the ability to participate in sacrificial giving and so now tithes and offerings are there I'm giving to the Lord my needs are being met but I also can show up to basket auction Sunday and I can be ready to buy a basket. And I can be ready to help out all to recovery. And I can be ready to give to a building campaign. And I can be ready to help out in missions and North American missions and build churches around the world. And I, folks, can I tell you something that you need to know? This is where giving actually gets fun. I, I, I'm not trying to, like, if you're not involved in tithes and offerings, I'm not trying to tell you that's not fun, but it's obedience. Right. This is the part of life, and this is the part of giving where it actually gets a whole lot of fun, and you get to start connecting yourself to things that are so much bigger than you and so much greater than you and know that you're a part of what's going on around the world and it's all coming from God and you're getting all of your needs met but you're also able to give sacrificially. If this looks like a way you would like to live your life, I think you should clap your hands unto the Lord and say, this is what I want to do. (laughs) Amen. I'm telling you, if you it, it, the devil fights the hardest on the first two steps. Once you, I've taught, I've taught and preached to you guys before about the spirit of mammon, right? In our church, our church uh, took on that that giant years and years ago, and we defeated the spirit of mammon. And we also routinely remind the devil of that by saying, hey, let's raise $20,000 for I Am Global. And, and And when people give sacrificially and the church comes together and we sacrifice, we remind the devil that the spirit of mammon is not gonna work here. We're not gonna be run by that. We're not gonna to fall to the trap of the love of money. We're not gonna be maneuvered by money, manipulated by money. We're not gonna throw away the doctrine for money. We're, we're, none of that's gonna happen here because we control money. Money doesn't control us. But the first two steps are where the devil fights you the hardest. Once you beat the devil, And that spirit of mammon, in those first two steps, and you get that solidified in your life, and that's no longer a question, then you get to operate in the area of sacrificial giving, and then is where, I tell you what, it just gets quite amazing what God will do. Amen? Amen. It gets amazing what God would do. So keep in mind that God knows what our motivations are. Everybody say motivations. Hebrews 4 and 12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and morrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So this is what you have to, you have to get to the place where you understand that living uh, your best life now does not have to include being rich. Amen? Now, I'm not saying, there's the problem with a, a term like rich or wealth is that everybody's got a different definition for it, right? So, so it, it, you can't really define it. So I'm not saying that God is against someone, quote unquote, being rich or having wealth. I don't, I don't believe that he is. But living my best life now, according to God, doesn't automatically mean that I'm going to have that. And, that, and I have to understand that, and I have to be okay with that, and I have to, I have to understand that, that that's not my motivation. That we are blessed to be a blessing. That God blesses us, he blesses us to be a blessing. So I'm not just holding on to everything. I'm not just living for the almighty dollar. Hey man, If that's the way it is, I'm never, I'm never going to be able to bless anyone else. I believe that we must be open to God to motivate us and encourage us and to direct us. And if we are open, he will give us opportunity for us both to give and to be given to. Yeah. All right? If we're doing it the right way, God will open the doors and he will make it right. Now let's look at 1 Kings 17. 9 through 16, I'm going to read this off the screen. First Kings 17, 9 through 16, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belonged to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. He called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink." And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thy hand. And she said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake but a handful of meal and a barrel and a little oil and a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son and we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first and bring it unto me and after make for thee for thy son, for thee and for thy son. And for thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. Somebody say, Amen. This is a time of drought. It's a time of need. Most people were having difficulty sustaining their families. You don't have to raise your hand, but maybe some of us have been there. They were having difficulty just making ends meet, making having difficulty putting food on the table. This is, they was they were in a tough, a tough time. And notice in verse 9: I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. That means the Lord had already dealt with her on this before Elijah shows up. He was preparing the widow woman in advance. Can I I just say it like this? Most people, most Christian, apostolic, Pentecostal people, most people hear from God about sacrificial giving. I would say almost probably all of them hear from God about sacrificial giving. It's just that some ignore him. We hear him, we feel it, he prods us, he tells us, he says you can do more than that. He says go ahead and try a little more sacrifice. He says it's gonna be all right, but too often we ignore him. So Elijah first asked for water, her response to the first request is key. Somebody say it's key. It's key key because water is something that she has very little of. They're in a drought. They don't not only have food, but they don't have water. She's got very little water. But the question is going to be, is she willing to give it to him? God's already been dealing with her. Remember, Elijah shows up This is their first encounter, but she's not really genuinely surprised by the encounter because God's already been dealing with her in advance as God often does, right? This, by the way, is why when we take up major offerings around here, we don't just get up on a Sunday and say we're gonna take up a major offering. We get up a few weeks in advance and say, we want you to pray about it, we want you to think about it, we want you to let God speak to you about it, all right? And so so she does this and it's key her response, Because if we are not willing to give of what we have right now, we will not give what we think we are going to get later. It is an absolute lie of the devil that you're just going to become some just great sacrificial giver as soon as you get that inheritance. As soon as that lawsuit is settled as soon as I come into a bunch of money somehow, as soon as I get that big pay raise at work, man, I'm going to give so much, Pastor, you're not. I'll, tell, I'll build the whole building myself. Now, believe it or not, I've actually had that conversation with people in my ministry. Nobody in this room, so I just relax a little bit. But I've actually had people have that conversation with me. But you know what I know is true? It's about me and it's about all humanity. If you're not willing to give sacrificially of the little bit that you have now, you're not gonna give sacrificially if you come into a whole lot later. You're not suddenly just gonna become a different person because you got a lot of money. In fact, that's probably not true. You may become a different person because you all of a sudden got a lot of money, but it's not gonna be a good person. Not if you don't have money settled in your heart before it comes. Right? So he asked for a morsel of bread, and this is where we see the seriousness of her condition. I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I'm gathering these sticks, and I'm going to go in and dress it for me and my son, and we're going to eat our last meal, and then we're just going to die because there's nothing left. Now, this is a seriously desperate state to live in. This is not drama queen. She's not just being dramatic. Right? There's a drought. We know there's a real drought because Elijah had a little something to do with it. (laughs) Right? And so, so this is for real. This is a real serious situation that she is in. And these are the words of someone who has seemingly nothing to hope for except the fact that her God has been speaking to her in advance. And Elijah responds to her with two powerful words that we find a lot in Scripture, fear not. Fear not. Everybody say it with me. Fear not. Say it again. Fear not. He responds with fear not. Now you could say, and she could think, well, that's easy for you. It's easy for you to say. you know. And I hope that didn't go through your mind just now when I was doing that, but if it did... I forgive you. It's easy for you to say, Pastor, you're doing all right, but I'm struggling. I got this challenge and this challenge and this difficulty, and you're up there saying, fear not. Yeah. Fear not. And she could get angry and ran about not having enough for herself and ran about that I can't even, I can't, me and my son aren't even gonna make it, and, and, and I don't know what's going on anyway. What's God's deal making this drought? And what what's your problem? And why are you asking me? And you need to get out of here. And she could get angry and start doing all of that. But Elijah shows the main reason that some people don't participate in sacrificial giving is fear. It's fear. It's really not, you can, you can try to say all day long that the reason why you don't participate in sacrificial giving is just because you don't have any extra. But the problem is, is we all know, and we've, you've heard me say it a thousand times, that it's not about the amount. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just about the sacrifice. Right. Right? right. So if you wanted to have that stance, Then you know if I said everybody, the only way you can give sacrificially uh, uh, to the next uh, thing that we raise money for is if every if you give five thousand dollars, then that will mean you're giving sacrificially, and I would be out of line, unbiblical, and probably Sister Lear would smack me. (laughs) Right? But you're never going to hear me say that because that's not what determines sacrificial sacrificial is above and beyond ties and offerings that you give to the work of the kingdom and whatever God uh, uh, allows you and enables you to give but that, that even though that's true and even though sacrificial giving may just mean you give $1 some for some people that fear thing still has this such loud voice that you know I just I can't let like, go, oh, I can't I can't do it and not even a dollar Can't give a dollar. All right, then give 75 cents. I just can't do it. I need it. I need it. Well, Go out to the car, dig around in the back seat. (laughs) Go home, pull the couch cushions off. Say, whatever I find, I'm going to give sacrificially. That sounds a little nuts, but if you remember, Peter found... Tax money in the mouth of a fish. (laughs) What would, see, what God would really get you is if you went and pulled the couch cushions off and you found a $100 bill. Then, now we're really, see, God does stuff like that, too. (laughs) Fear is really what hurts people when it comes to this, and you actually have nothing to be afraid of. Because you've got so many promises of God that if you got the first two steps right, that everything else is going to be all right. And not just needs met all right, but also open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you cannot contain right. So you have to shut that voice of fear down. Notice he says, make me therefore a little cake first. Everybody say little cake he doesn't ask for a normal-sized cake. I don't know what a normal-sized cake is. I just know it had to exist because he said a little cake. So if there's a little one, there's got to be a normal size one and an extra-large, right? <laughs> he says make a little cake first. You know why he doesn't ask for a normal-sized cake? Because she couldn't give it to him. You know why he doesn't say, go make me a big old stack of flapjacks? Because she couldn't do that even if she wanted to. It wasn't there. He says, make a little cake first. He asks her for what she is capable of providing. Now, here's the problem, though. It was all she was capable of providing. She was capable, but it was all she was capable. This is where the word sacrificial comes into the process, right? Kind of like when we do fasting around here and I say if. If you're fasting and you're not hungry, you're doing it wrong, right? If you're giving sacrificially and it's no sacrifice, you're doing it wrong, right? And so the fear needs to be shut up. She, he asks for what she can give. God will not ask for more than you can give. So that's, So you turn that on its head and realize that if God is asking me for it, that means I can do it. Because he wouldn't be asking me for it if it was impossible. Amen. Amen? So turn it on its head and find the positive. Say, if God wants me to do that, then I must be able to do it somehow. Amen? Sometimes sacrificial giving is stepping off the edge of the cliff and just seeing what's going to happen. But it's fun stepping off of cliffs. And so she, he says this. Now, here's the one thing to keep in mind. God may ask for more than you want to give. I said he won't ask for more than you can give. He may ask for more than you want to give or more than you think you can give, but he'll never ask for more than you can give. The problem is is the fear gets us doing the math. The fear gets us doing the math. Now, Brother Herbst is probably gonna talk about some of this when he teaches uh, next week. So, and I'm not against, I'm all for budgeting. I'm all for planning. I'm all for organizing your money. I'm all for making your money work for you. I'm all for all of that. So do not do not take that. We live our lives that way. We live our lives that way. But when it comes to sacrificial giving, sometimes you have got to put the pen and the calculator down. And you just got to say, Lord, if this is what you're telling me to do, that's what I'm going to do. Even if I can't seem to make the math work, I'm going to do it. Right? Right. All right. And so... uh, Ephesians 3 and 20, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. That means we all have the ability, all of us have the ability, if we're apostolic Christians, we're tithing and we're offerings according to the word of God, we all have the ability to be used of God in sacrificial giving. And here's what I love. Once God can trust us, he will funnel more through us. Once he can trust you, then he'll funnel all kinds of stuff through you. And it's a great, it's a great thing. Amen? Amen? Amen. So he asked her to make him the cake first. This is where her faith is tested. She's planning on dying anyway. If she and her son eat a little and then she gives to Elijah, she's still going to die. Right? She's already planning on dying. But then if he says, give me a cake first, and she's like, well, we'll see about that. She goes in, makes a cake, and takes a bunch of bites of it first, and then says, oh, you know, she's still, she's still going to die. That's all that's left. But what's going to happen? She's going to have shown a la- that she doesn't have faith in the God that's been talking to her about this. So that's why it's important that she does it the way it's being asked of her, because it's about showing that she has faith in God. Amen. Elijah reassures her of the promise of God. The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail. Until the drought is over, he says, God will provide for you. She acts in pure faith. She gives sacrificially. She's offering up her last meal. She's offering up her and her son's lives. It is definitely a sacrificial thing for her to do it. And she, at her poorest point, had faith in giving. She had faith in giving giving faith in god in giving amen because sacrificial giving is not about the money about the amount that you have and it's not based upon the amount that you give it's based upon giving something precious to the lord right Something precious to the Lord. And the barrel of meal wasted the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. Amen. 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 Let me just quickly take you to the poor widow woman. We'll be done in just a few minutes. The, poor, the Bible talks about the poor widow woman of Luke 21. She caught the eye of Jesus, right? Verses 1-4, through four, he looked up, he saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. He saw also a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites. He said, of a truth I, have, I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all, for all these have gave of their of their abundance cast into the offerings of God, but she of her penury or of her poverty has cast into all of her living means of all her means of living that she had. She has cast in. So this the story actually happens, by the way. This really happened. Jesus was actually there. He actually sees this woman. This isn't just a, 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 something he's telling here. Um, he sees what she does. It's very possible that this is after her regular giving because it speaks of, of, of this gift that the others are giving. And the word offerings that's used there implies that this is above just their tithes and offerings, that this is perhaps a special need that has been presented that people are giving to. So this is sacrificial giving. And her sacrifice catches the attention of Jesus Christ. I believe that sacrificial giving still catches the attention of Christ. I believe that he still sees it. And I'll I'll, I'll take us back to that in just a second. The last thing I want us to look at is the church of Macedonia. Paul writes to the church of Corinth. This is what we started out with tonight. Paul writes to the church of Corinth to inform, to teach, and encourage them. And he's letting them know that money is needed to assist other believers in Jerusalem and Judea. He says there's other people, there's other brothers and sisters. They're trying to do a a work in Jerusalem and Judea, and we need you to help give some money to that. Right? Kind of like what we just did. Mm -hmm. South Dakota. The Alaska thing. Mm I am global. He says, we need you to give some money to that. We need you to help out your fellow believers in Jerusalem Judea. But In his talking to them, to the Corinthians, he uses the testimony of the Macedonian church. In 2 Corinthians 8, he speaks of the Macedonian church and he says that they themselves were in distress. Yet, they gave to the needs of others, they were actually having a difficult time themselves in Macedonia, but they gave for the needs of others. they gave out of a little they didn 't have an abundance, but out of the little that they have, they gave, trusting that God was going to make up the difference. Amen, right? trusting that God was going to make up. difference and it says of the church in macedonia and this is so powerful i need you to catch this i know i've been teaching for a while and i'm almost done but this is so powerful it says of them that they had overflowing joy or as the kgv puts it abundant joy even in their trial the church that gave sacrificially even though they were having some difficult times themselves Their difficult times were not stealing their joy. Their financial situation was not stealing their joy and that they were abundant in joy. Oh, hallelujah. You know, there's a lot of millionaires and billionaires that would buy joy if you could buy it. They would buy peace if you could buy it, right? They'd buy a good night's rest if you can buy it but they can't buy it. He says they didn't have a lot, but they gave, and God rewarded them with overflowing joy. You see, the reward of Christ is not always in dollars and cents, but it's always going to be exactly what you need it to be. It's always going to be exactly what we need it to be. Paul says they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, sacrificial giving. He says they pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. Paul said, they pleaded with us, we don't have much money, We can't. it's not gonna be world-changing money, but please let us give something to help out the church people in Jerusalem and Judea because this is something we wanna be a part of. This is a service to the saints and this is necessary and good and we wanna be connected to that which God is doing in Jerusalem and Judea. So we want, even though it's a sacrifice, we want to give. That is the attitude of a seasoned sacrificial giver. A seasoned sacrificial giver says, I want to be connected to it. I want to be connected to it. I might not be able to give a ton, but I'm going to give something because I want to be connected to what God is going to do. And that's when we find verse seven with what we started with tonight just as you excel in everything. He says, you guys are doing so good. You're so good. And this church is awesome. And we got faithful people and loving people and kind people and I routinely hear guests come in and talk about how much they felt loved here and kindness here and accepted here and people helped them and prayed with them and cared about them. And and you're involving yourselves and you work and part of ministries. This church is amazing. And Paul, if he was here, I think would say the same thing. And what he says to them is, just as you excel in everything, faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and your love for us, See that you also excel in the grace of giving. Excel in it. Don't just meet. Excel. Excel means above and beyond. Excel means sacrificially give to the Lord. Let's stand together. I promise you, your pastor promises you and not even with an ounce of hesitation because God promised you before I did, and his word promises us, but I promise you that if you have not begun to step out in faith and involve yourself in sacrificial giving, or maybe you just just struggle with the idea, if you will open your heart and let God direct your sacrifice, yes, you have to be doing tithes and offerings first. If you're not, that's where you gotta start. Or you can't even do what we're talking about here tonight. You can't even do it. And you're going to be battling with that devourer, and b- the bag with holes in it and all that stuff. You're going to be battling with that for the rest of your life. And if you like financial stress, you go on and have it. But I hate it. And I use that word very specifically. I hate it. All right? But if you don't want to live that way, then step out, get the first parts right, and then get into the area of sacrificial giving. And I promise you, it does not matter how much or how little you have. It does not matter what trial or tribulation you may be in at the moment. It does not matter what obstacles seem to stand in your way or you're afraid or going to be in your way. God will make a way, even if there seems to be no way. If I was struggling financially in my life right now, if I was struggling financially, this is what I would do. I would pay my tithe first. I would prayerfully consider what I could regularly give to offerings unto the Lord. That would be the first thing I would do if I was struggling financially because I wanna shut the door to the devourer in my life and I gotta get disconnected from that. That's the first thing I would do. And then I would look for something to give sacrificially to. Once I did that, I would do that, and then I would say, okay, I, I want to find something that I can give sacrificially to, and I would give to that thing, whatever it is, and then I would step back and watch God fulfill his promises. And since I'm not struggling financially, I'm going to do the same exact thing. Because where I am, where my family is, and hopefully where your family is, where we, we got here because that's what we did. And I would be foolish to stop now and go back. So I'm gonna do the same exact thing. I'm gonna pay my 10%, first fruits. I'm gonna consider my offerings and see what I can give a regular basis and offerings to the Lord, and I'm gonna look for ways to give sacrificially. And then I'm gonna step back And with joy, I'm going to watch God fulfill his promises. Let's lift our hands and thank God for his goodness. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com and also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week.